the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Perhaps too much so. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and some discoveries that some of our parental friends have uh, uncovered. And we're going to talk a little bit about those and not only about them, but what can be done about them. I want to introduce to you my my co-host for this hour, Gail Levin of Salt and Light Council. Hey, Gail. Well, hey, Kaz, it's great to be here tonight, and we have a very important topic to discuss, don't we? I know, well, this is one that you always, every time I see you, you, you mention the, the school system among about 10 other things. You, you've got a lot of things on your plate, but uh, the school system gone awry is one of them. That's right, and uh, we're going to have a guest with us tonight that's going to knock it out of the park. And let me say this, this, this particular hour probably is not for children, So if you have kids in the room, we are going to discuss some adult topics, and you may not want them in the room, so that's our suggestion. Yes, and we'll we'll try to do this delicately, but nonetheless, your young uh, children uh, may want to go watch a program or do some other coloring things or something like that, because we're going to expose some of the uh, amazing things that are going on behind the scenes or undercover in the school system that you need to know about as a person who is... uh, allowing your kids to go to a a public school system. Um, And let me make a comment here, Gail, before we bring our guest on the line. You know, the school system is filled with wonderful, wonderful, remarkable teachers and remarkable educators and administrators. And this is not to presume that everybody in the school system has ulterior motives. By far the opposite. Most people have a real heart for training up your children and being uh, responsible in their educating. But nonetheless, there are some ulterior motives that they may either not be aware of or they may be aware of it, but they don't know how to open up their mouth from that perspective. And our our guest is one that was in the school system for, what, 28 years or something? That's right. Uh, Rebecca Friedrich. And uh, Rebecca is amazing. She wrote a book. She just wrote a book called uh, Standing Up to Goliath. And the Goliath happens to be the unions, the school teacher unions, and she actually has a case that went to the Supreme Court. She's also the founder of a wonderful organization called For Kids and Country, and yes. we are really, really, really privileged to have her with yeah, us. So let's let's bring her on the line and have her uh, uh, give us some insights, and you can also ply her with questions. You know, I, I as a parent will have a few as well. All right. So, Gail, why don't you do the introduction, and then we'll bring uh, Rebecca on. Well, as I said, Rebecca Friedrichs is um, the founder of Kids and Country, and uh, she wrote, she just wrote a book. Her book just came out maybe a month ago, uh, Standing Up to Goliath, and um, I've, she's a relatively new friend for me, but we've gotten pretty close because she has a real passion 
for the kids in the schools, in the public schools, and for the parents and for the teachers. She really wants to see teachers have what they need in order not to be told to do things that go against their conscience, yes. their Judeo-Christian conscience. And I'm sure there's a fair amount of that going on as well. Yeah. My so. friends, forgive my voice. <clears throat> I, I, I've lost it. Oh, there it is. No. I'm, so <laughs> thanks for your prayers for my voice. It kind of went south on me a little bit here. But it shall return. <laughs> so uh, let's let's bring in Rebecca Friedrichs. And are you on the line with us, Rebecca? I am here. Hello, Gail and Kaz. And I also apologize for a scratchy voice. <laughs> I am fighting a cold as well. <laughs> I know. It's going around. But God is a healer. He's the healer. Yes, and he we're is. And trust him to heal us even in the midst of our dialogue here. <laughs> now, Amen. Gail uh, of, um, of uh, Salt and Light Council has been plying me with information about you, how highly she regards you, not only as an author, but as one who's been in the thick of the fight, and you have some wonderful insights. I'll let Gail continue the, 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 the chat with you, and then I'll just kind of jump in periodically. Sure. Well, Rebecca, I, I'm not quite sure where to start, but maybe we should start with how you got involved um, with the court case uh, or anything else you want to share that led up to that. Uh, so why don't you start to just fill us in? Yeah, a little background would help, too, sure. as well. Sure, absolutely. I'm, I'm just so thrilled, Kaz, that you started the program by saying there are wonderful teachers out there and administrators, because that, that was my experience. I was a student teacher learning under an amazing teacher, but I witnessed another teacher abusing the children. And when I went to report it, I was told that because of the teachers' unions, the schools couldn't do much to protect the kids. And I've taught 28 years in California public schools, and I have watched over and over again um, as abusive teachers screaming, um, teachers who didn't do a very good job were defended by the unions. And I've also watched as outstanding teachers who've done nothing wrong and who served our children well have been let go. And uh, for the crime of being new or for daring to um, discipline a child, not in a harmful way. Um, But things are very awry in our public schools. And um, our education system was always so outstanding. And so I started digging and starting to understand that what happened was government unions showed up and they bullied great teachers and got them into these unions And now they're bullying educational leaders, our state leaders. They're bullying everyone, PTA leaders. And um, they've taken over our schools, and they have removed the Judeo-Christian values that good teachers were teaching for a long time in America. And they've replaced them with some very damaging curriculums and ideas and divisive uh, all the divisive things in, that you see in our culture come right out of the state and national teachers unions. So that's how I got involved. Wow. And we're going to spend a lot of time digging into this. Uh, in the, we have the entire hour, uh, the first hour, uh, that we're going to be excavating this. And my listening friend, as Gail forewarned, there may be some topics here that are a little delicate for young ears. So be sensitive to that uh, as we move forward into this. Gail, any thoughts as we continue? We've got about... Uh, couple minutes in this segment so let's set it up for the next segment well i just also want to say uh 
the wonderful teachers that are out there. And I do hope we have teachers listening. And uh, if you have a friend or a uh, relative who's a teacher and you think they would benefit from this, still feel free to give them a call. Uh, When we get back, maybe we can start to talk about what happened at the Supreme Court level and how that played out. Very good. I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to give Rebecca Friedrichs uh, a little challenge here. Take about 60 seconds. And that's about all the time we have on this side of the break. Take about 60 seconds to speak to parents uh, of the anxieties that they may be feeling or they don't even have enough awareness to feel. Speak a word of uh, consolation uh, uh, of God through your experience, and then we'll come in the next segment and we will deal with it. Rebecca Friedrich. Sure. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, parents, you should be very concerned. If you're not, um, you need to discover what's going on in our schools today. Uh, You can do that through my book or through attending uh, um, a local uh, school board meeting. Um, But parents, we need not be frightened because we still have all the power as parents. We're starting to lose it. We're starting to lose our authority in our schools. But if parents will stand together, particularly those in churches and synagogues, will stand together and stand with good and loving teachers and school administrators who are currently being bullied into silence and too terrified to speak up on behalf of your children, if we'll all stand together, we can still win this thing and we can protect our kids and we can uh, bring good and loving values back into our schools and into our culture. I hope parents will stand up. I hope they will. <laughs> Rebecca Friedrich, thank you very much. And my friend, I guess you have an idea. Gail, I think she did a pretty good idea, gave us an idea of what we're going to get in the future segments. So uh, are you ready to rock and roll for the next segments? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I also notice you keep saying the bullying. I'm, I would like to hear you say what are they doing with bullying? What yes, does yes, that yes. mean? So we'll talk more about that with Rebecca Friedrichs, uh, Gail Levin and Kaz when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. And we are back with a very stirring, challenging topic. What's happening in the school system and what's happening in the school system that you don't even have a clue about? (laughs) We're going to deal with that because many of you either have children in the school system or you have uh, uh, grandchildren in the school system or you may have next door neighbors in the school system. And you just need to be a responsible parent or, or guardian or grandparent and discover this stuff because there are solutions to the stuff that's going on. But how can you know the solutions if you don't even know what the problems are? So we're vesting and investing this entire hour to deal with those challenges that have surfaced and are surfacing in the uh, educational system and help you deal with them. You know, in the last segment, uh, Gail Levin, my co-host for this hour of Salt and Light Council and I, we're talking with Rebecca Friedrichs, who is a remarkable author and the founder for uh, Kids and Country. And uh, you'll love her insights on this. She's been there, done that. Uh, so let's, let me start the ball rolling here in the second segment here uh, regarding uh, the topic that we ended the last segment with, Gail. It was talking about bullying. 
And I, I know that Rebecca right. Friedrichs has some insights on that. But I just got thinking about it. You know, schoolyard bullies have always been there, you know, throughout the beginning of time when schools were going. But this is a different kind of bullying in many, many ways. You know, a kid with a kid, you know, an adult can bring peace to that situation. But when you have an adult mm-hmm. subtly bullying and, and, and uh, kind of twisting minds of young people, it's a different story. So, Gail, why don't you ask the question of Rebecca, and then we'll just launch on in. Okay, well, Rebecca, thank you so much, Kaz. Uh, Rebecca, you were discussing um, the bullying that's going on of the teachers by the unions. Did you want to elaborate on that, or and how are parents being bullied uh, as well? Yeah, I'd love to elaborate on it. You know, the biggest bullies in our schools and I'd even say in our nation, are government unions, particularly the state and national teachers' unions. They're really scary. And it's been going on for a long time. I have a teacher in my book, Ruth Finnegan, who is 90 years old now. But when she was teaching in the 60s and the unions came to unionize her school, she and none of her friends wanted to join. But they said it has to be 100%. So they bullied all the teachers. They all joined. And Ruth was the only holdout. She dared to say no. So when she was grading papers in her, in her classroom after school one day, they sent five men in black suits to harass her. Mafia tactics. Mm. Right. And when she still said no, they did it again. And they terrorized her to such a degree that she joined the union. She feels badly about it to this day, which is why she tells her story and allows me to tell it in my book. They've been doing that to teachers for 50 years. Teachers like myself who dare to believe in school choice, and I will not fight against school choice. The unions bully teachers into fighting against school choice. They lie to teachers. They tell them that charter schools are bad. They tell them that children don't learn well in charter schools. Lots of of deception that they tell teachers, and teachers believe it. Teachers just want to protect the kids. Sure, and it seems to me like a a lot of those arguments or the bullying have to do with what we call the bottom line money and uh, yep. funding for the school system and things like that. Yep. So, you know, they're trying to protect the resources and revenue that they get uh, from That's different right. different places. And so they may adjust a story here and there to allow them mm-hmm. that privilege. But we know that the uh, pu- private schooling system is remarkable in many ways. What are some other uh, bullying tactics that these uh, the maybe the union people or so forth would deal with? Would it be on curriculum and things like that as well? Oh, all kinds of stuff. So what teachers don't realize, and now I hope the children are out of the room, but what teachers don't realize is right now we have this very intrusive and abusive sex education program in our schools um, uh, as a result of a law that became effective January 1st, 2016, the California Healthy Youth Act, and all of the curriculums that have been approved for use under this uh, new law, I've viewed them all. They are all abusive. Mm. They include instructing children in the use of, uh, small children, 11, 12 years old, in the use of um, uh, items to protect them during anal sex and oral sex. My, my. Um, Little children. And they instruct children on where to find the nearest Planned Parenthood clinic and tell them that from age 12 you can obtain all the uh, birth control you want, including abortion, without your parents' knowledge or permission. And we're going to help you get there and help you do this. It's a complete attack on parental authority, an attack on religious rights, 
and they're getting away with it. And well, what let me ask you a question, though. How, how is it before you're saying that the unions have had mm-hmm. a hand in this? Can you tell us what it was like before the unions got involved? I mean, I remember it used to be academics. And how did we yeah. get to this point? What yeah. happened and, and, and what was it like before? Exactly. To answer your question, yes, the teachers' unions are 100% involved. They are pushing it. They are writing many of these laws. They are lobbying for them, and they bully anyone who dares to stand up against them. Teachers don't know that. It's not teachers doing this. It's teachers' unions. So that's the first thing I want teachers to know. But to answer your question about what it used to be like, in the late 1800s, a small group of teachers started the National Education Association. Mm -hmm. It was a sweet association started in order to bring loving Judeo-Christian values into the classroom. I am holding in my hand right now a little booklet called Selections for Memorizing. The one I'm holding is for first graders. And it was arranged by the National Education Association journal staff in cooperation with teachers across America. And on the back it says... It is important that people who are to live and work together shall have a common mind, a like heritage of purpose, religious ideals, love of country, beauty, and wisdom to guide and inspire them. The aim of selections for memorizing is to make such a heritage available in a form so inexpensive that copies can be placed in the hands of every student in our American schools. Think what it would mean to the future of America and the world if every young person were presented each year the PGL appropriate to his school grade and were taught to understand love and remember the great expressions of truth and beauty which fill these pages. The torch of civilization is not passed on by accident, but by the sustained efforts of parents, pastors, teachers, and friends, will you do your part? Signed by the NEA. Wow. And inside of this booklet is scripture from the Holy Bible. So we have two, dif- we have two different systems then is what you're explaining. Yeah. And many of our yeah. listeners think that we are still on the system that you're explaining right now. And they don't understand that there's been a shift to another system. There's been system. a fundamental change. Fundamental. And it's been brought by state and national teachers unions. And teachers think that these unions are just fighting for their pay and their pension and to get them a break at at recess time and to lower class size. And that is not true. These unions are pushing a far left social, sexual, and political Mm. agenda into our schools, undermining parental authority on purpose, degrading the teaching profession on purpose, and using teachers to fund it. My, my. Uh, Roberta Fredericks, uh, uh, for Kids and Country founder. You know, a lot of parents uh, and uh, grandparents and so forth may be listening to this and they say, well, how how global or prolific is this problem? Certainly the school system or the school district where I have my children or grandchildren isn't touched by this. Tell us a little, little bit about the broadness of this problem as it goes into the school districts. We'll start in San Diego County and then talk a little broader about this. We want to spend some time about the lawsuit, but let's, gonna, let's reserve the next segment for that. So right now, kind of give an old idea about how uh, infectious this is in, in how many districts. Is this something that most parents don't have to worry about, or how serious is this? This is something that all parents have to worry about, even homeschoolers. And the reason is that the teachers' unions now have so much control. If your district is unionized, 
you know for sure this is ha- these things are happening in your district or your school board's trying to fight it or your school board's being bullied by the ACLU if they're you know refusing to implement the sex ed or certain things um, so it's prolific but when you go into the union's resolution documents and read their business items that they pass at their annual meetings you discover that they are now trying to destroy charter schools they have a moratorium on charter schools now, but they're also pushing for uh, a bill here in California right now to end all charter schools, to close them, even though they are so successful. But charter schools are typically not unionized, so it's all about money for the unions and power for the unions. They um, want to bring these, um, these ideas into all schools They want all children controlled by government ideas and government uh, schools. So uh, private schools need to be concerned, and homeschoolers, we need those folks in this battle. We can win this battle if we all stand together. Very good. You know, we'd like to talk a little bit more about this the next segment, but also I'd like to get into the lawsuit lawsuit that you were involved in. in (laughs) Basically, it was an education for you, this lawsuit. So some of your scars, you can... You can share the uh, ramifications of those scars with our listeners so that they can be prepared as well. My listening friend, I hope this is stirring you up. Once again, we're not talking about school teachers and administrators necessarily. There are a lot of excellent teachers and administrators. They're in, caught in, also. In, I'm sorry? They're, they're caught. They're, they're, they're stuck, stuck also. So this is a kind of a... Uh, we're giving kind of a solution and insights on that. So my listening friend, uh, stay with us for the next segment because Rebecca Friedrichs and Gail Levin of of Salt and Light Council and I are going to talk about some hefty things that are solutions rather than the problem coming up next. So don't go away. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hi, I'm Trey On, President and Founder of Harvest International Ministry in Pasadena, and I want to make an apostolic declaration. God loves San Diego, and I declare revival and transformation of San Diego. I declare heaven on earth in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come together, San Diego, with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. And we are back with a very, very stirring topic. Uh, the whole topic of education for youngsters and uh, how it has been abused or misused by uh, school unions and other individuals who have ulterior motives. We're digging into some of those ulterior motives, but beyond the digging in, we're trying to discover what some of the solutions are and some of our guests and uh, co-hosts on this show have some solutions, one of which is Gail Levin of Salt and Light Council, and also your guest. Well, yeah, Rebecca, um, you have a website, you have a book. Just give us, just for a minute, uh, let's let's get into that right now. Uh, what's your website? And tell us about your book really briefly, and then we'll get into the court case. Sure thing. The website is forkidsandcountry.org, and we have all kinds of resources on there to help teachers to understand their rights and parents to understand what's going on in the school system. And um, the book, Standing Up to Goliath, is um, 
my story as a 28-year teacher in California public schools, as well as the testimonies of almost 50 other teachers, mostly some parents, some students even, who tell their stories of how they were bullied and abused by state and national teachers unions Mm. and harmed where their uh, education was harmed or their job was harmed or their students were injured, all because of policies pushed upon us by state and national teachers unions. So um, that's a great uh, segue then into the court case. Yes, yes, yes. You you um, you you didn't want to take this anymore. And so you realize that some activity needed to happen and you put yourself basically in harm's way and made a stand that uh, reached Supreme Court level. Give us kind of the overview of this in this segment and then we'll apply you with questions because our listening friends who are dealing with the school system uh, would like to know uh, if it's a futile effort or mm-hmm. what can be done about that. So would you be sure. so kind, Rebecca Friedrich? Yes, and thank God it is not a futile effort, especially because the case was finally won. So let's get started. Um, I told you before I witnessed all kinds of bullying. I was bullied. I couldn't make my voice heard as a teacher. I even served as a leader on my local union executive board because the local teachers were like me. They cared about the kids and they didn't want to be funding politics. Most teachers are apolitical. Uh, The majority of teachers are conservative, have conservative values, but all of our money was going to far left causes and bringing harm to our students. So when I couldn't make my voice heard, I personally, it was through my Bible study, actually, that God laid on my heart to start writing editorials in my local newspaper. And I was terrified because I didn't have any connections to the local paper. But God led me to the story of the widow's might. And he just said, you know, Rebecca, like that widow gave her two pennies, her two mites. And, you know, God's, it's God's job to do the rest. He just asked me, just give your two mites. So I did. Started writing editorials with no connections in the world and miraculously they were suddenly published and within six months I had an opportunity to become lead plaintiff in a federal lawsuit headed to the United States Supreme Court. Wow. So yeah, it was only God. Only God could do that. So it was myself and ten other teacher plaintiffs from across California and the Calif- and the uh, Christian Educators Association International joined us as plaintiff number number eleven. Because they were representing so many teachers from so, around the country. So, Rebecca, what, so, were, what were the logistics of the plea? What, 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 was the, yeah. what was the statement that you were fighting against or that was the, yeah. the essence of the suit? Sure, sure. It was a First Amendment case, and our, um, we were arguing based on our First Amendment rights to freedom of speech. Because the unions take our money. It's around $1,000 a year that most teachers pay in union dues. Mm. And they're spending most of it on politics. And even if they're not spending it on politics, collective bargaining is political because you have, you know, the unions uh, um, negotiating with politicians they put in office with union money (laughs) and the taxpayers not invited to the table. So we argued, look, it's all political and none of us should have to fund this. And our basic argument was teachers should be able to decide for ourselves without fear or coercion whether or not to fund a union. And what happened so once it got a, to the Supreme Court? How did that play out? Yeah, our, our case was heard at the United States Supreme Court January 11th, 2016. Everyone, even the New York Times, admitted that we were mm-hmm. going to win with a 5-4 to four decision. It was very obvious. We had convinced five justices. 
One month later, Justice Scalia died. Mm. And our case died with Justice Scalia because a dead justice's vote doesn't count. So we didn't get his vote. We ended up with a four-to-four tie. And you'd think we'd... Well, we were devastated, but I was surprised that God really bolstered me. I didn't. I felt devastated for two days. And on day three, my husband and I woke up with renewed hope. And that's when I started interviewing people and started writing this book. Mm-hmm. And another case came behind our case after President Trump won and a new justice was placed on the court. Another case was accepted by the court, a case called Janice. And the Janice case was heard February 2018. Same basic case that people like myself should be free not to fund unions if we don't want to fund them, based on free speech. And the Janice case won on June 27, 2018. So now all teachers and all public sector employees, firefighters, police officers, DMV workers, anyone who is forced into a government union can now pay those unions nothing. So there's huge hope there if we can educate good and loving teachers, especially those with Judeo-Christian values, who are paying these unions right now billions and billions of dollars a year tax-free. Are are the teachers aware of the decision, and how are they responding? Yeah, that's the interesting part. A lot of them are not aware. Those of them that are aware, the the unions lie to them and tell them, oh, if you leave us, you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your your pay and your pension. And so, unfortunately, a lot of teachers are not leaving. So that's where we come in. That's our call to action is any teacher we know who who actually does love the children and who has our values. I ask people, adopt those teachers, give them a copy of my book, walk them through it, make sure they read it, and read all these stories. Because when teachers read it and find out how their money is really being used, they leave the unions. And another thing, a lot of teachers really appreciate their local association, because that's their friends, standing up together in a very corrupt system. And I understand that completely, that they appreciate that. But their local is legally tied to the state and national. And when they pay their $1,000 a year, 700 goes to the state automatically, 192 to the national automatically. So their local's keeping pennies. And so these teachers can stand together, and they can decertify or disaffiliate these state and national unions completely. It's, it's so a Goliath, process. So Goliath is the union. And yes. so the Goliath and standing up to Goliath in your book, you're talking about the unions and standing up to it are it's something that the teachers can do uh, and the parents as well. Is that right? That's right. And teachers cannot do it alone. They've been bullied severely for 50 years mm. and they're believing a lot of deceit. So we all have to stand with them educate them, embrace them, empower them, and really help them and encourage them through this process. That's how we save our schools and our culture as well. We're talking with Rebecca Friedrichs. Uh, She's the author of Standing Up to Goliath and the founder of For Kids and Country. So, Rebecca, you know, there's a lot of different issues going on here. Of course, free speech and and uh, the unions and so forth and so on. But the, the the real bottom, bottom, bottom line is how is it affecting my child sitting in that chair 
during the school hours. I mean, obviously, we don't want to be bullied as far as uh, political agendas and things like that. Of course, some of those agendas obviously find their way into the into the manner in which these children are taught. So. Go ahead, Gail. Yeah, and I, you know, I want to also add We've that got about a minute and a half of this segment. Awesome. Behind the teachers are the parents, and behind the parents has to be the church. Don't you agree, Kaz? Oh, absolutely. So, so you know, we're talking kind of generalities here, but we also need to get into the actual specific solutions. And Gail mentioned the church as being a viable one. The church has kind of been asleep uh, on that issue as well. You, you, we've got about a minute left in the segment. We'll attack it in the next segment as well. But do you have any words of encouragement to, let's say, th- teachers and pastors right now that uh, are just getting their awareness about what's going on there? Give some consolation to them that there are solutions. We've talked to parents. Now I'd like to have you talk with the teachers and the pastors. Mm. Are you asking me or Gail? No, I'm asking you. Yeah. Rebecca. Oh, my. I have been praying for decades that our pastors would stand up with us in this um, area. There's so much hope if we can get our pastors to stand with us. Um, If pastors and parents, community leaders and teachers stand together on all of this, all we do is win. We strengthen our values. We strengthen our schools. We strengthen our culture. And I would just encourage those pastors. So many pastors tell me that they're afraid. They're afraid to speak out. Well, it was the teachers unions and their friends who told you to be quiet. They're not quiet. Mm-hmm. And you, you need to speak out. Yes. And God asks us, just like he asked Nehemiah, just like he asked Joshua, just like he asked Esther. He asks us to speak into our culture. And he asks us to be involved in the political process. And when we're not, we lose our values. Yes. So we can either watch our values as they are lost and we lose our republic, or we can fight now and regain them. And so there's a lot Re- of reason to hope. Rebecca, I'm, we have to go to the next segment. I'm Gail. I'm going to have you chime in on the next segment as well. But, you know, I would like for you to give some ways that people can actually get involved. Specifically, I'm sure you have website information. I know Salt and Light Council and Gail Levin has uh, some in- insights on that as well. So for our next segment, would you be w- willing to do that? for us, uh, Rebecca? Absolutely. Okay, and Gail, sure. so start digging out those contact pieces of information, Gail oh, Levin, of Salt and Light Council, because we're going to, we, we've dealt with a problem. Now huh. we're going to start dealing with the godly solutions. My listening friend, Gail and Rebecca Friedrichs and Kaz will be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Kaz Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. Hey, welcome back. Boy, we got a hot topic for you this hour, and actually the next hour, too. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we approach the next hour. But to close down this hour, I I want to bring back uh, Rebecca uh, Friedrich. She's with the... uh, She's a founder of For Kids and Country and the author of a book called Standing Up for Goliath. Standing Up, not for Goliath, pardon me, to Goliath. I, that, that was a Freudian slip if there ever was one. My, my, my. So, and then I want to spend a little bit of time at the close of this uh, hour giving Gail uh, Levin of Salt and Light Council some con- opportunity to give some contact information as well. But Rebecca, you, you are a, a, a well-invited uh, speaker 
uh, on this topic. And uh, maybe you could give us some information on not only uh, garnering some information about your speaking, but also uh, how we can, you know, some other contact information that you that people that, that let's say they're a teacher, let's say they're a pastor, let's say they're a parent or a grandparent, that they can go to actually get information that has been viewed and approved by YOU. Go ahead, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, thanks for asking. Well, the best thing they can do is go to our website for kidsandcountry.org because everything there has been, you know, the content's been created by me. Or I'm leading them to places like Salt and Light Council where they can get other information that's safe. Um, so they can go there. And also if they, you asked about me speaking, there's also a place on the website at the footer where they can contact uh, PR for uh, any PR inquiries, uh, public relations inquiries. Yes, and the, and the website one more time? forkidsandcountry.org. And also down at the footer, they'll be able to see all of our social media. Would love to have them follow us on Facebook in particular and Twitter. We also have Instagram. We're slow with it right now, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, but Facebook, we're very active, and we'll be able to, they'll be able to follow some of the other organizations that we're helping. There's some parent community groups that are doing some grassroots work, and we post their, um, their activities. And so that could help these parents to get uh, more involved. But the best thing they can do is share the whole reason I wrote uh, Standing Up to Goliath. God laid it on my heart to write that book, and he brought to me these brave teachers who allow me to use their names and where they live, you know, their area of uh, you know, the country. Um, very brave and share their stories. And once teachers and parents and faith leaders read this and find out the truth, they don't know what's going on, how teachers and children are being damaged. Once they see this, then they can convince others, they can convince teachers and politicians to do the right thing, yes. to quit funding these unions, to quit uh, giving unions what they want at the state and national level. You know, I think getting people to believe what's really happening is one of the hardest things. And your book, mm -hmm. because you bring forth true life stories from a lot of different teachers, etc., that's a wonderful way to show people that this is really happening. They're eyewitnesses, exactly. and it's their own stories. Yeah, what, what, exactly. there, there are and two the pieces. Work? Go ahead. I'm sorry. There are two oh, pieces to this gonna... equation, I think. First of all, the education, of being aware that there is something going on, and number two, what you can do about it, and both of those have solutions. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt exactly. you. Exactly. I was going to say the Lord kept laying on my heart Revelation 12:11, where they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they couldn't be afraid of death. And it really has been a frightening battle for those of us who battle state and national teachers unions. They're scary. The number one question people asked me through my case was, are you afraid for your life? Mm. So that's a frightening thought. So the fact that these folks brought their stories out is, is incredible. It's, it's God's hand. And so we know that if we can get our testimonies out there, we can change this. Yes, yes, yes. We can, yeah. Re Rebecca, I I'd like you to give a 30-second encouragement to all the listeners. They, they, they may feel a little bit overwhelmed now. You know, a lot of this may be new to them. But th then I wanted to give you, have you give a very brief encouragement. Then I want to give Gail an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about Salt and Light Council. You, you mentioned that 
uh, Rebecca. The Salt and Light Council is one of the organizations that gets right in the thick of all the challenges. You know, I, I can't think of uh, a major event that is uh, threatening the Judeo-Christian uh, community that they're not in the thick of. So uh, yep. I really appreciate that. But give a brief encouraging word to our listeners as you depart. And I want to just thank you now for joining us as our call-in guest. Sure. And, and I love salt and light. I agree with you, everything you just said. And listeners, particularly teachers, you know, there's so many loving teachers in our schools and they are so demoralized right now. And they hear, you know, they've been told that people like me are the spawn of Satan, that we're evil and we're trying to harm them. That's a lie. This is all about battling for the hearts and minds of our kids and our culture and our values. And I just encourage teachers, don't give up. Don't leave the classroom. We need you so desperately. And parents, don't. I've seen parents get scared and say, I don't even want to know. Well, then... Evil wins. Yes. So you have to stand up. So I would just ask parents and faith leaders and teachers, please stand together. We can win this. We have we have the power of the King of Kings on our side. Why uh, are uh, we afraid? There, fear right. does not. God is not the author of fear. That's right. So if there's fear, that's coming from the enemy. That's right. So stand up and let's win this thing. Well, you, I guess my listening friend, you can see why she's one of those warriors, Rebecca Friedrichson, <laughs> and writing a book, standing up to Goliath. Uh, she's like King, like young David. Uh, there's a solution, and it just may be in your hands to do. My listening friend, I want to I want to thank uh, 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 Rebecca for joining us on this. And Gail, we have a couple few minutes right now. So, Salt and Light Council is a very viable go-to organization that understands what's going on, the threat of, against the Judeo-Christian uh, community and right, other things. Right. So, give us kind of your pitch. Well, I want to say this, Rebecca. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to get to know you, and you know that we are continuing to be there for you as yep, well. You are. And I just want you to know a really quick story that um, there's one of our affiliates here in California. They actually had a day to thank parent to thank the teachers. Excuse me. They had all the teachers in the congregation come to the front of the you know of the sanctuary and gave them each certificates of encouragement and thanks. My. So that's how Wonderful. salt yeah, that's how the salt and light affiliates are meeting this challenge. That's just one of the ways. And I just want to encourage everybody out there, the Salt and Light Council can start a civic serve ministry called a biblical citizenship ministry in your church with the uh, with the approval of the pastor. So approach the pastor and reach us. You can reach us at saltandlightcouncil.org. That's our website, saltandlightcouncil.org or call our office. The phone number is 888-725-8654. I'll say that again, Kaz. 888-725-8654 and we will help you, your church to know how to stand up behind the teachers, behind the parents for the children, and let's see this whole mess start to turn around. And only the church can really do it because this really is a battle between it good is and evil. Yep. And, and the battle yep. is, th- thank you very much, Rebecca. But, you know, the battle is, is raging on many fronts. Education is just one of the many fronts that are involved That's in it. Right. My listening friend, if you ever, ever get frustrated as you look at TV and go, well, there's got to be a solution, you might want to try Salt and Light Council. They've uh, premeditated these things, and they have some solutions. What's the website, Gail Levin? The website, again, is saltandlightcouncil.org salt a n d light council is spelled c o u n c i l dot 
word. Very good. Give it a click. Uh, Gail <laughs> Levin, thank you very much for joining me. And we really appreciate Rebecca Friedrichs as well. And uh, Gail, you're always a, a, a faithful friend. So thank you for joining us on this segment as well. Always a pleasure. My listening friend, you're going to be thrilled about the, you know, the whole topic of education is where we're going for this entire two hour show. Amen. And you're not going to be dis- dissatisfied in the least with our next uh, one hour, because I, the guest that I have is a man who saw the problem about education and he created resources and is creating resources that make middle school children hungry to actually learn things by delving into some of the fictions that he's written and some of the strategies that he has. You are going to absolutely love this. Can you imagine your middle school age child uh, reading a novel and actually learning about history, geography, art? architecture, social values, while they're actually having fun? Oh, what a thought. <laughs> well, let me just say, I read the book and I couldn't put it down. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, she's just barely over a middle school age. Ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My listening friend, uh, are you prepared? Because we're going to have a great time when we come back. And uh, my, you're going to love my next uh, co-host. We're going to delve into some things that are inspirational and creative when I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas. FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego. K-Praise. I'll tell the world. Come Together San Diego with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. And we're back. You know, thank you very much for joining me for the entire two-hour show because this show we've devoted to education. uh, And sometimes it's the lack of education in the school system and the unions and things like that. Sometimes it's the solutions to deal with uh, youngsters who are having a hard time understanding things that they need every day when they get out of school. And so uh, our next co-host and guest is a man named Chad Stewart of Devonfield LLC. And it's remarkable the things that he's doing. You know, a lot of people see, see the problem when they complain. Uh, I tell you something, Chad doesn't do that. He saw the solution, the the need, and he has said, well, what can I do? What are my skill sets to help bring solutions there? And my listening friend, (laughs) God has given you different skill sets, too. It may be something completely different from what uh, Chad Stewart has, but nonetheless, it can be very, very impactful. You're not being called to do something that you are not equipped to do, but you're called to discover what needs to be done and find the niches that you can participate in to uh, move the needle in a godly way. Chad Stewart, uh, Devonfield LLC, and you've got a remarkable vision for educating young people in subtle ways. It's called have them read things <laughs> that have education attached to them. Good, good to have you with me, Chad. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's great to be here. Why don't you start out? by giving us a little background about who, why, what, where, when, and how. I saw when I looked at your bio, many of those things that you do are things that have been my field of expertise as well. So I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah, sure. It's, um, I'm born and uh, raised in Newport Beach, California, and then I was back east, uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts, for about 16 years. And then I've been back in uh, the lovely San Diego for about lovely. eight. <laughs> um, and uh, I think um, travel has always been a big passion of mine. Education has always been a big passion of mine. And writing has always been a big passion of mine. So those are kind of a great combination uh, for my book, Brickfield and Lost Crown, which I'm looking forward to 
talking about. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so you have the background uh, of media-related things. Correct. Yeah, I was involved in um, uh, acting when I was younger, and then uh, film and media production, and then actually I started my writing, uh, writing scripts, which is a very sort of anyone that is familiar with it, it's very stringent and very. Um, hard, very structured. And so I, I wrote uh, quite a few scripts and then finally uh, started Britfield Lost Crown to break free from that, if you will, about nine years ago. So what did you see in, in the environment that made you say, this is an area where my niche can be helpful? Uh, it was interesting. I, I was somewhat familiar with the types of books that were out there. Um, a lot of them, obviously, uh, Supernatural, uh, Witchcraft is a huge seller. Um, You're talking about children. Children's books, books yeah, yes. middle school books and, and children's books, young adult. And so I just had this idea one day, and again, this is about eight and a half years ago, for, and it just kind of started simple. And I think a lot of great ideas do start simple, right? Starts sure. with that sort of first line or quote. And uh, I had drawn just a simple picture of a boy and a girl in a balloon uh, traveling over the sky. And that is literally how Britfield and Lost Crown came together. That night I went home and wrote about uh, three quarters of a page of bullet points that sort of outlined the book. And again, just uh, simple but fun. Two orphans that escape from uh, Weatherly, which is a uh, orphanage in northern England. And they commandeer a hot air balloon and they're trying to get to London. And so it's kind of like all the things that happen along the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the mishaps. And I, I, what I really did is I just wrote a fun adventure book. It was I, I had fun writing. And again, this is four years in the works, 2,500 hours to write it. So it's not a quick uh, weekend. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's major disciplines that no. have to happen when you're writing something like no. that. I'd like to get into this sure, in greater sure. detail in the next sure, segment. Sure, sure. Let's spend a little bit more time uh, informing people a little bit about what you sensed the problem was and how you carried some of the tools for the solution. You know, we're looking, we, the whole first segment dealt, yeah, Chad, with the, the, the education challenges sure. in, in America and beyond. And um, what the school needs are, you know, they're, they're putting a lot of things that they want children to read, but they're inappropriate topics Correct. or they're, yes. they, they, they're skewed in an area that is not of Judeo-Christian values. No. So you had a, a thought of uh, putting some uh, stories together that subtly carried not only the Judeo-Christian values and high moral caliber, but they gave educational uh, nuances as well. So talk a little bit about the the problem that you saw and how you began solving it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think our our biggest drive, we have kind of twofold. One is on one side, we have Devonfield Publishing, which is our publishing house that is launching Redfield and Lost Crown. On the other side, we have the Devonfield Institute, which is our nonprofit side, which is uh, our educational side. And I think the biggest problem that we see uh, in in school and in the nation right now is is the is in the world of creativity, because we're currently in a creativity crisis. Really, have been for the last twenty twenty five years. And Dr. Uh, Kim, she's wrote a phenomenal book uh, called The Creativity Crisis. She's a professor at William and Mary. And really what, what she has shown through research of 20 years is that uh, the children's creativity um, scores on a de- uh, decline one deviant point for the last 20 years. And really she shows some charts and you can just imagine a line starting up at the top and coming straight down. And so really, honestly, behind us, is, creativity is our big passion. Creativity is really what we want to put back into the classrooms. Uh, we want to really impact teachers and um and, and students, but you kind of start with the teachers. And so I can go into depth if you want well, on s- sort of our approach. We've or, got, we've yeah. got two or three minutes <laughs> okay, on okay. This, in this segment. But yeah. one of the things that uh, I was struck by, what do you call the, the portfolio as a performa? What, what do you call the, the document that has all this, the, 
the uh, information for a person to find out about the entire vision. Oh, okay. Well, you can, you can definitely go to um, our website's live. It's Devonfield. I'm sorry. It's BritfieldInstitute.org. BritfieldInstitute.org. And it's it's got some great information. I'm really into stats and statistics <laughs> set aside from, I a, from the passion. I yeah. Noticed. So it's like, can you prove it? Can you back it up? And I can. And all the information is there. So. Well, you you know, one of the things that was remarkable, you ha- I had a chance to read through, uh, let's call it a performa, which is kind of an overview of, sure. of the plan. And it's not like the plan is to write a book and have people and, and children be impacted by it. You actually carried the details down to even to the most minute detail as far as not only the writing of the books, Correct. the distribution distribution of the books, the target of the books, but also strategies all the way along, including marketing and things like that. It was, you know, I've written a few of these things and I know that (laughs) speaking of writing, that's, that's one of the most methodical, difficult things to write. And I thought you did a remarkable job on that because you covered every facet that I could think of. Sure. And so uh, uh, you, you obviously saw a problem, but a lot of times people go, yeah, I see a problem, but I don't know what to do about it. Exactly. You, you, you built this out. So why don't you tell a little bit about solving the overall problem, then we're going to get into the specifics of the book and the book's strategy. Sure. And as I said, it's, it's eight years in the works, but really the last two years we have been building and assembling our team that's behind this. We have 12 experts in uh, each individual field, and we've really built a machine, if you will, and I don't try to... Um, um, Talk an engine. It, yeah, an, an engine. engine. I, I mean, like it's that. just, it's it's an amazing, um, we call it a movement, and uh, it's exciting. And we've just been building building up uh, weekly, monthly, and we've got great traction. We're just about to launch. But we have the Britfield uh, book that's coming out. We have a team that's behind it. We have a marketing team. We have um, Rodney and Angel Hatfield, who are our quarterbacks. Rodney used to work at um, uh, Thomas Nelson for seven yes. years, took books to the millions. And, yes. Um, uh, we have someone, uh, Tony uh, Ridgeway. She's writing our workbook, which is a study guide for the Britfield book, which is about a hundred pages. It should be done in about three or four weeks. Uh, we've got we're assembling um, email uh, list with teachers. We have almost hundred thousand uh, teacher email lists that we're going to be contacting them directly uh, with a creativity kit, uh, and it just goes on and on. So it's it's uh, it's really exciting. I mean, it's just it's it's around the clock work. But the Very point good. is, is when we pull the trigger, we're hitting on a lot of different levels, grassroots. We're hitting mid mid level. We're doing a um, uh, nationwide school tour, book tour of 250 schools. I've got two schools next week. Um, Tuesday, I'll be at a Christian Academy up in Mission Viejo, uh, speaking in front of 180 students, talking about creativity. Yes, yes, writing. yes. Now, let me throw this in because we're about ready to go into a break. And I want you to be thinking about uh, the whole aspect of Judeo-Christian uh, morality or sure. you know things like that, because part of the thing that moves you forward was seeing what's out there Correct. and it doesn't really espouse moral values in many instances. No. Uh, it's basically either maybe to uh, tickle the imagination but has no uh, educational value and some of it has uh, ulterior motives attached to them. So I, in the next segment I want you to talk a little bit about the uh, actual books series but I also want you to talk about how you incorporated Judeo-Christian sure. values in that. Excellent. We're talking with Chad Stewart of Devonfield LLC and his book series the first book in the series is called The Britfield and the Lost Crown. We're going to discover some of the secrets to that lost crown and how God has stirred Chad to write things that communicate moral Judeo-Christian truths and uh, encourage a young person to actually, in the middle school age, to actually learn something. Correct. Amazing. Chad Stewart and Kaz will be right back. Excellent. 
This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Guest for this entire hour, Chad Stewart, and he has written a series of books called the Britfield Books. The first one is called Britfield and the Lost Crown. And the whole idea, listen to this idea, is to stir up <laughs> uh, mid, mid-level uh, youth in the you know middle school environment to actually sometimes it's hard to get them to move one way or another mm-hmm. away from the, the screen that has their uh, media thing going on but uh, he has devised a strategy to create novels that carry a great deal of information and uh, inspiration as well Chad good to have you with me thank you and uh, we're investing this entire hour on the topic of your vision to to in, influence and educate the middle school person. We got in at the last segment, we talked a little bit about uh, Judeo-Christian values sure. and how vital that is and how they've disappeared or are disappearing from the school system. Right. And, and talk a little bit about your strategy when you started doing this tied to returning the the high moral value. Sure. I think uh, number one is, is that we needed complete creative control over this because really what you're dealing is with a mainstream agenda and a mainstream market, um, huge, powerful houses and publishing houses and um, uh, marketing companies that are behind the push of books like Harry Potter, the Twilight, uh, the Twilight series, yeah. um, the Hunger Games. And I'll never forget sitting across the table from a, uh, uh, one of the readers. We did some pilot programs and he was telling me about the Hunger Games and I've just... I. I didn't read and I was blown away when I heard about, you know, kids killing kids for food. And that's really, unfortunately, what what's literally out there. So it's it's tough. I mean, they're extremely um, well organized. They're well financed. And um, that's what we're, we're competing against right now. And that's what we're up against. And so it will take the team that we've put together. Yes. It will take the grassroots movement, lots of Christian organizations, national, even global organizations that have read the book, love what we're doing and are part of this movement. Yeah, but it's more than just a book. It's an entire strategy Correct. to actually return the Judeo-Christian value. Values into the middle school age and beyond. Correct. Yeah. What we what I wrote was, um, and we call it stealth evangelism because it's a mainstream book uh, for any reader. But yes. uh, Christians will love it and they'll brace it. Um, conservatives will love it and embrace it. But the mainstream. I mean, why preach the, to the to the choir, if you will, or to the audience that you're already wrong? I mean, that's where um, I think in many ways Harry Potter had failed, although hugely successful. I mean, the, it, book one sold 120 million copies, and so. Uh, we're hoping to do better than that, quite frankly, and we think we have the strategy to do it. Well, speaking of strategy, I saw a phrase, and I want you to elaborate a little bit on that right. in this segment. You talked about the three pillars of the novel. What does that mean? Yeah, so so first first off is is what we, what I've created is a, um, I mean, if I, I, I always like to say it this way. If I come to, uh, to a mother and I'm trying to tell her about my book, and I say, number one, I have a book that I think your child will absolutely love. It's a fast-paced adventure novel. And um, I, I, even if your child doesn't like to read or they're not a reader, um, they'll actually get through it and they'll, uh, they'll love it. And I've had uh, like three or four uh, children so far, and we haven't even launched it yet. And I'll get photos from their mom. They're like, no, no, he doesn't read or she's not a reader. And they'll be on page. They'll be in, engaged and glued to page 80 and won't put it down. I had tw- <laughs> I've had 12-year-olds read it in a weekend. I just met a 12-year-old that, that started it the other night and read, and finished it that morning. It's almost 400 pages. So what we did is we created that type of 
high octane, fun, fast paced book. There's not, not never a lull. Character arcs, you know, strategy, the typical three act structure. So as a book, it works and it's a fa- fantastic and fascinating story. Number two, uh, what I have is I have uh, it's an educational book. And yes. so I'm sitting here telling telling the you know the mother like uh, we we wrote a book that your children are going to learn about history, um, architecture, uh, culture. Um, art, literature, um, geography, which is one of those uh, and moral values and, too. Yeah, and then and then on the third part is it's a, it's really about family values. It's yes. about character, friendship, family, courage, sacrifice, um, all the type of things that are really biblically based. And yes. They're all throughout the book, and it's clean. There's no agenda in it, so we're not we're not pushing anything really. So let's say I'm a parent, and this sounds really good to me, but I'm saying this is the kind of thing to actually make a dent in what's going on in the community. It has to be, it has to be out there. It has to be well-funded, and it has to uh, – we used to – in the marketing, we say it has to have legs. In other words, oh, it can't sure. just be a one-hit. There has to be strategies behind that. Speak a little bit about the strategies that you're going to give it longevity. Yeah, first is, is that we, um, we, we uh, had a capital raise, and so we've, we're, we're pretty much funded now. And we did that in six months. Um, praise God for that. So. Yes. Uh, we, we raised quite a quite a bit of money to get behind this. We built in an extraordinary team, as I mentioned before, of experts in each field, 20, 25 years. I mean, geniuses, whether it's marketing, social media, uh, research, writing, you name it. We, we've built that kind of team. And we, um, we have, we're hitting on, on, on three levels. Like I said, the grassroots level, the mid-level, which is our, our book tour, and our PR team. We've hired a PR team, a uh, Christian PR team out of uh, Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's going to be, um, you know, th- this is what they do in their wheelhouse. And then our sort of mainstream or upper level, and that's where we're partnering with over 25 national organizations, Salem hopefully being one of them, Outreach, mm-hmm. Inc. I could go down the whole list, that have built their own uh, empire, if you will, and love it. And they love the book and they're behind us. So the grassroots is really important because it's it's uh, it's the small people, it's the small groups. I met with a woman uh, just on Tuesday for an hour. Loves it, loves the idea. Gets totally behind it, and and she um, she's uh, one of the um, directors or or uh, of a local chapter of Women in Prayer. Now that's a global organization, mm-hmm. and she was telling me this is exactly what we need. This is exactly the type of book. I mean, people get it. You know, they either get it or they don't. But the people that get it, I mean, they're they're in and they're excited. And it's like you know, finally, you know, here's a, here's this book, here's this series, here's this movement. That's not only something that I would love my children to read, and it's and they'd love to read it, but they actually get educated, and and it really uh, solidifies those kind of qualities of character, and it, and it's a character driven book. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're talking with Chad Stewart, and uh, he has the Britfield book series, and the first of the book series is called the Britfield and the Lost crown and uh, you can actually reach him through a company called Devonfield. Give give some website information right away. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you really want to check out what we've done, go to the website www.britfield.com. So it's b r i t f i e l d.com. We just launched it Thursday. This is uh, this is four, <laughs> this is four months in the works. Uh-huh. Uh, it took me months to create it. And it literally will walk you through the entire book section by section from, from, from Yorkshire to the Midlands to Oxford to Windsor Castle to London all the way down to, to southern England. We'd like to get into some of the characters yeah. and some of the strategies in the next segment. But right now, you know, uh, the, 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 you, a person that hears this, they go, this is wonderful. First of all, is there anything in particular that's out there that even approach this that's on a Judeo-Christian or high moral value? What, what Did you see anything out there that you could actually key off of, like uh, the C.S. Lewis stuff or anything like that? Yeah, or? I was definitely influenced by C.S. Lewis. I'm a huge C.S. Lewis uh, fan and, and read uh, many of his books. So I think that had huge impact sure. and influence. And that's 
that's one of those uh, books that, that are timeless and yes. that, that keep carrying on the tradition. But it sounds like you have multiple facets to this, not only the book, but you have study guides. What else? Yeah, and I'd say a one related thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like this is book one of a five to seven book series. Book so book one takes place in England. Book two takes place in France. Um, I actually just finished book two uh, this last year, uh, and book two is at five hundred and forty pages, if you can imagine. Um, so we'll, we'll do the entire five to seven book series, and then uh, probably within about two and a half to three years, we'll do a major motion picture. So yeah. um, and and hope to to um, to break the box office uh, and do better than what Harry Potter did. So. so so what as you looked at different successes, let's say the Harry Potter sure. books or whatever, some of the other books that are really have taken off, what has been the hook that actually brought such a large group of audience in? And can you uh, learn from what they use to hook it? Or, or is it just some of it's just pure ungodly stuff that's the hook? What did you learn? No, I mean, there some of those books that have taken off are very, very well written and very calculated. It's, it's, it's my understanding through research that it's it's not uh, an individual author, but a team that wrote um, that particular series. It's not by accident. I read the entire series. So and there's a whole strategy attached. There's very, they're very well written. Yeah. Uh, they're very well written as far as um, sentence structure, use of words, vocabulary. So it's it is, and I studied I studied a lot of that. So my book isn't by accident that kids. Uh, love it. I mean, yeah. we, we we did we did pilots and we scored a nine point zero three out of a scale of one to ten across all demographics That's and great. age groups. I mean, huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, our f- first hour uh, co-host Gail Levin of Salt and Light Council, she read your book yeah. and she said she was a major proponent for it. And I'm saying you're not even middle school age. No, and she's it's, young, but not that young. It's fifty five percent of the young adult audience are actually adults, which is kind of interesting. But um, we're finding that with Britfield that. Uh, uh, not only not only our demographic, but we're finding uh, adults love it. And in fact, uh, a friend of mine just uh, Tuesday or the, of this week had, had give, given it to uh, four principals who all read through it, loved it. And um, actually, one group has already started a Britfield book club. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's just all these kinds of amazing things. And what I'm finding with this book, and again, you know, God inspired. I mean, I wish I could take the credit for it. Um, but it, it's having impact with with kids. It's not like, hey, yes, that was a good book. It's it's it, it's becoming transformational. Um, an example was uh, one of my uh, web designers, Barbara. Her daughter Iris had read the book uh, twice, loved it so much, and she she turned her whole room into a room of um, an explore room. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how cool is that? She turned her room into an explore room based on Britfield and Lost Crown instead of a room about you know witchcraft or, oh, wow. or, or yes, vampires. Indeed. Indeed. So it's having that kind of individual impact on kids. Very it's good, fantastic. Yeah, Ch- Chad Stewart with the Britfield book series and Britfield and the Lost Crown is the first book. We're come back with me on the next segment sure. because we we've kind of wet the appetite of the. Uh, of the listeners, I want you to dig more deeply, not only sure. into the characters, but some of the the themes in the first book sure. that uh, are enticing. Sure. Because my listening friend, uh, we know a book that has major themes and is enticing. It's called God's Word. Mm-hmm. And many of you have invested time and it's the best selling book uh, ever and it yeah. will continue to be. But it's not only the content of the book, it's the God who created that. So what we're going to delve into in the next segment on this book series that we're talking about with Chad is what are some of the characters there. But you need to know that God has written his book for you and has given you strategies to do great things as well to impact others, just as Chad is uh, impacting others. We're going to dig into some of the characters and some of the storylines of the Britfield and the Lost Crown first book in the series and you're going to be inspired and innovation is going to come your direction. So Chad and <laughs> I will be right back. Amen. 
You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Frank Harper, pastor in North County. We need more of God this time than we've ever needed him before. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, welcome back. I'm with author, producer, God lover, and lover of education, co-host Chad Stewart. Hey, Chad. Hello. How you doing? Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Yeah, we're back. I'm here. You, you know, <laughs> tell us a little bit about some of the, I, I would call them hidden nuggets in your new book for middle schoolers entitled uh, uh, The Britfield and the Lost Crown. You know, it's like this. You know, my listening friend, if you have kids, it's kind of like if your kid actually loves vegetables, you're very apprehensive to tell him that those things are good for him because <laughs> that might ch- change his mind on, on loving sure. him the way that he does. And I, I, I'm seeing from what you're saying that these youngsters are saying, oh, this is good. This is good. And parents may go, yeah, but look at all your learning. Well, learning, I don't know about <laughs> learning. Them off. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about some of the characters and some of the storylines in this first book that sure. have captivated people. Sure, and uh, I think what's unique about uh, Britfield and Lost Crown is that it's it's based in real time, so it's it's current, and it's um, it's based in reality. And so, what you have out there with so many of these other books, even even Christian books, is is a world of fantasy that they created. And I think, okay, that's fine for an escapism, but it's not real. And I don't think kids can ever connect with them. What's great about my two main characters, Tom and Sarah, in book one, that are age twelve. Uh, is that they really, number one, really work off of each other very well. So although it's uh, sort of a uh, story about Tom, Sarah's his best friend, and they escape together, but but it's very well balanced because Sarah's extremely well educated. Um, I think the book deals with a lot of problems that they face, as you can imagine. Um, so it, it addresses not only the creativity of the of the writing, but it's also critical thinking because they constantly um, – and communication because uh, – and I get some of the feedback going, gosh, I've never read so much dialogue. But there's great dialogue because they're always talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out what to do. I mean, number one, how do you escape? Uh, you know, number two, you know, how are we going to get to the train station? Number three, oh my gosh, where are we going to do now? Where are we going to go? And and they, they work out all these problems together by figuring it out. So it's just got this kind of collaboration, this communication, this brainstorming uh, thread that runs through it that I think is anchors it in reality. I think, I think, kids can really relate to Sarah because she's real and she's in, and she doesn't have supernatural powers. So they need to get to London. They can't just wave a wand or jump on a broom um, or fly there. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing. So I think um, that's, it it poses real problems and challenges that they have causes a a youngster to think about solutions. Exactly. Exactly. And what's interesting too is, um, is the educational component, which obviously took a lot of time and a lot of editing to get it down because I had to keep reminding myself. It's not an, it's not a history book (laughs) and it's not a travel book. Um, So to, to somehow get that in, you know, um, uh, threaded through the entire story where it, they're not speed bumps. It's not a paragraph. And something I'm talking about, you know, Henry VIII or something yeah, but like that. They're actually incorporated. Yeah. Just through discussion. Yeah. And they eventually come to Oxford and they meet a professor. And so it's a great way when, when they ask him lots of questions. And again, it's inspiring this idea that if you need to know something, ask questions. Um, and children, which is so amazing, is, is they're great like that. They love questions. They're hungry for knowledge and stuff. So, so there's great dialogue. There's great learning. There's great history through the whole book. Um, experiences that they have, fun experiences. So, so name a special character that 
you embedded into this to show a, a, a moral value or a questionable moral value or maybe a parental insight or anything? Do you have a, a character that comes to mind that is really a, a, a fun but pivotal character that maybe is inserted periodically or anything like that? Um, I think I have, I have like just sort of the key main characters. Um, detective Gowerstone is a really interesting... A detective? Yeah, Detective Ooh, Gowerstone. Oh, thickens. Yeah, he's the one that has to... He's been hired to find Tom and Sarah. So what you really have is this massive police chase all through England. Uh, helicopters, you know, police cars. I mean, it's... it's kind of Butch, Butch Cassidy in the Sundance. It is, it is. And, but he's a very interesting character, and, and there's lots of character arcs with him and twists. Sure. I, I think Professor Hainsworth who's this, you know, kind of grumpy old professor, you know, three doctorate degrees at Oxford, really kind of is at a place in his life where, where he wants to get away, have fun. Um, and somehow he embraces, you know, Tom and Sarah. And so it's a huge character arc for them. He, he, they become the children that he's never had. They become the father that they never had. Wow. And so, you know, there's just... Sure. I think each character is very is very interesting and very deep. I think actually Gowerstone, and he comes out a lot more in book two, but... but um, uh, you, he, he's an interesting character. <laughs> how much, how much of a role does humor play in this? Oh, it's throughout, and it really, it probably without humor and kind of oh gosh, yeah. goofy things. A oh, middle, middle school aged person, no, you're no. going to lose him. No, no, Tom. So you don't talk too sophisticated. <laughs> not, no, not 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 too sophisticated. It, it, I mean, Tom's a funny sort of, uh, you know, because he's street smart, and Sarah's very well educated, and Sarah's from Scotland, and so she's got a bit of a fiery temper, which is funny, and. And Tom's kind of, you know, he goose off like a 12-year-old would. And, and I think I had a lot of fun, um, you know, uh, writing him as a character and things that he would say and things that he would do. And, and yeah, so there's a lot of humor. There's dry humor in it, being a British comedy, you know, so. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So so what role did, why did you decide the first book would take place in Great Britain or in England? Uh, I've always loved um, England. I've spent mm-hmm. about two years there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my undergraduate at uh, Brown was in uh, British literature and uh, European history. So that, that helped. <laughs> well, and if you want to delve into amazing historical facts and things like that, sure. Great Britain has a, a great, Oof. I mean, what, yeah. a, what a wealth. Oh, it's wherever you go. I mean, that's what's so unique. And, and I'm not saying, you know, that's not true with, with uh, Europe in general. But, but Britain, it's, it, it, every town, every street has a, has, has a history behind it, has a story. Whether, mm-hmm. whether it's someone that visited, stayed there, wrote there, a battle took place. I mean, everywhere. Does, does the uh, American values take uh, incorpor- incorporate themselves in this, or is America part of the picture at all, or is it all Great Britain, or w- what's the strategy there? I mean, because yeah. a lot of the readers are going to be readers from the United States of America. In fact, that's your one of your main target Correct, audiences. Yeah. So how do you bridge that gap to get them into England? I mean, is there some way that you did that so that they felt comfortable with the perspectives and things like that that may have had just a little bit of British to them. Oh yeah, I mean it's uh, it's funny because it's a, it's an American writing a book in in Britain, <laughs> right? So I think it I think it has that flair or flavor to it. I think I just wrote a, a fast paced, fun, exciting story that takes yes. place in England, and so I don't I think that particular story could have taken place anywhere in in general. And now these children are. They live in Great Britain? Correct, yeah. Okay. So Tom and Sarah were our orphans in uh, Weatherly, which is this oppressive orphanage up in Yorkshire, which yep. is northern England. So did you write with an accent? <laughs> no, but we actually, um, our, uh, our books um, are now available. We have hardcover, softcover, 
ebook, but we also have an audio and we hired a British voice talent to do the audio and all the characters. And it's interesting. He was educated in Cambridge and uh, worked in Oxford. So he was like the perfect fit. Oh my, my. <laughs> And I see here that you have five books in your series. Correct. So are all of them going to be in England? What are No, no, no. So book, uh, the, the whole idea too is that it, it becomes an educational series. Mm-hmm. And so book two is in France. And so obviously once you're in France, you're going to start learning about, uh, you know, French history, yeah. different sites. I mean, Paris is, is, Epic as far as a scene, uh, Notre Dame, yes. the Ritz, um, all the different key sites. Book three will be in Italy. Uh, book four is going to be Eastern Europe and Russia. And book five will be China. And we'll probably do two more books and maybe end up book uh, seven in the United States, which would be cool. Oh, good. That's nice of yeah, you to consider yeah, we'll the United back full States of America. Yeah, That's very yeah, kind. We'll come back full circle. Huh? So <laughs> they age, they do real quick, they <laughs> age uh, one year in every book, too. Which oh, is, is that right? So, yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. Now, are there any. Uh, what I call overriding moral themes that you can share with us right now. Like, for example, when a person reads the last page of the book, are they going to walk away with some uh, enhanced moral values? And Absolutely. Things? So what in particular would you say they're going to glean from a moral uh, takeaway? Sure, sure. I think I think friendship plays a very key core to it. Boy, it does um, sacrifice, I think, courage. I mean, you have two kids that are out there stranded, hungry, um, you know, being chased by police. Um, on the run, really no money, no place to go. So just, just, um, uh, you know, confidence, character, um, lots of decisions that they have to make overcoming fears, which is great. Um, it's kind of like normal life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's exactly it. You know, and it's just like, they both have two things they have to overcome. One is Sarah's afraid of heights and, uh, they have to go up in a hot air balloon to escape the cops. And so she literally like, I mean, can you imagine a more terrifying thing being in a hot air balloon? Tom's afraid of, um, he's a bit claustrophobic and they have to climb through a very tight tunnel to escape from, from Weatherly. Yeah. So you have these kind of, and, and, and so you're, you're, you're faced with a challenge and you have to overcome your fear to get to the next level or to, to, to survive. If yeah. you will. But, but I understood you were apprehensive to come on this radio show because you knew that, uh, I, you might be afraid of hot air and you didn't want to come. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So are these two characters, are these two characters, um, throughout every book or do you introduce different characters, uh, main characters for uh, Thomas Sarah, that that's the key story. Okay. Uh, and that continues yeah. on. And it continues on. And so so in book two, Tom's and Sarah are 13. And then book three, they're 14. I do bring back some original characters. I don't want to give anything away um, in book two. And then I introduce some some new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I'll give away, which is um, um, Inspector Fontaine of Interpol. <laughs> and she is just a fantastic oh, it's a woman. female character. I yeah. See. So it's a great, there's a great balance between yeah. it. You know, you have strong female characters and you have strong male characters and they both work off of each other and they both help each other. Yes, yes, yes. Chad Stewart, uh, the Britfield uh, book series, the first book in the five book series is Britfield and the Lost Crown. And this is not a a one book hit or it's not a one book strategy. It's a broad, uh, vast marketing strategy that plans on taking something of value and uh, engaging your middle age school young man or young woman in this and immersing them in things and that they become educated in. They didn't even realize Correct. they were getting an education. Yes. So I'd like to talk in the next segment Perfect. of how all this stuff is going to come together, Excellent. what some of your next steps are and how people can find out more and get involved. Would that be okay? Excellent. Absolutely. Very good. Chad Stewart, uh, the Britfield book series, including the Britfield and the Lost Crown, Kaz and Chad are going to be right a back. Fantastic. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. 
Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. And we're back, and I have my special co-host for this hour, which is waning now. We have, this is the last segment. So uh, thank you for sharing your vision with us, Chad Stewart. Appreciate that. Now, we want to know a little bit more about the behind the scenes of the uh, uh, Britfield books and the educational strategies, but also kind of the the big big picture. And then I'm going to, I heard that you did some uh, roundtable discussions. I want to get into that as well. So big picture, what do you want our our listeners to know about? And then I want to get into some some of the specifics uh, about, uh, you know, any of the roundtable insights that you got. Sure. And I think uh, what's interesting is is, uh, everyone can probably relate to marketing or marketing campaigns, marketing strategy. And they're usually about three months and it takes you about three months just to get momentum. Our our strategy, our marketing plan is for three years and it's in detail. Got like a 40, 50 page marketing plan. Um, so it's it's really uh, building that. I mean, really, the uh, United States will be our focus for the first 12 to 18 months, and then we're going global with the book. Mm-hmm. We're doing actually a world tour. Might you go to England? I mean, just thinking. <laughs> Love to. Love to get back there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, obviously, our, our educational tour. I mean, we're doing 250 schools plus, which is almost unheard of. So yes. uh, we're hoping to do about 70 to 80 schools just in California. So right now, our focus is in San Diego, locally. Really build a buzz here, really build impact here, roll up Southern California and up north, and then launch across uh, the United States, depending on weather, based on where we go. So you talk about book tours, which is kind of the back end of this thing. Let's talk a little bit about the front end and some of the uh, establishment of these things. You you had youngsters, uh, I understand, reading this book, and then you brought them into round table roundtable environment. So what do you have, like 14, 15-year-olds in a, in a circle that have read the book and you plied them with questions or maybe they plied you with questions? What yeah, does this look and sound like? This, this is how I set it up. And uh, I wrote the first couple of drafts. I tried to get it as good as I could, polished as I could. And then by the third draft, I reached out to private and public schools in the San Diego area and asked if they would be interested in um, allowing me to do a pilot program there with the students. I mean, who Was that a hard sell or pretty well open? open You know, it's interesting. Um, It's it's not a hard sell. And I'll give you an example. There was one um, state school in or middle school, state school in in, uh, La Mesa. And uh, we had 35 manuscripts and we had 200 volunteers. This is a 400 page book. And that's yes. how hungry kids are for t- doing something fun. Well, how long fun. does it take a young person to get through a 400-page book? Uh, I'll be honest. Um, the way that this is written, because it's written very tight and very fast-paced, I, I, I think the record so far to read my book is five to six hours. Yeah, I, I finished it during the break. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I did I not. That. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, 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 one of the things, you know... Kids say the darndest things. Sure. And sure. Uh, one of the things that you had to be aware of, that you might get blindsided or a left field question or something like that. What was the most, uh, what, something that caught, really blindsided you the most as you went through these roundtables with these young youngsters? Yeah. And I'll just talk on that real quick. That uh, So basically they, the kids would get a manuscript and they'd have three weeks to read it. When they were done reading the book, they'd turn it into the teacher. Uh, she would hand them a two and a half page survey based on questions that we put together and they'd fill it out. And then I came into the school and did roundtables in the library like all day as, as, as the bell would ring and different groups would come in four to five at a time. So that was amazing. 45, 50 minutes with my audience. And like I said before, once you break that ice, so that five kind of minutes of awkwardness is, and, and they realize that, hey, you know, you really are interested in hearing what they think. And uh, oh, my gosh, they were just they were they were amazing. Um, in fact, uh, there was one group of kids, four, four of them. 
we were absolutely on a roll. And I hadn't obviously finished every section of the book. The book was done as a story, but I was still working on it. And we actually flushed out a scene that's in the book now based on, um, you know, their feedback and, and ideas and stuff. And like, no, no, you can't do that. And what about this? And well, no, 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 because that doesn't make sense. They were so geared into the book. Their memory was so good with the book. Um, that, I mean, it's just, it's just priceless. Their feedback is priceless. And, um, I did a round table for book two. And, uh, again, uh, you know, you don't take every comment, but I think it's the comments that are either consistent or the ones that stick. Um, and so based on that feedback for the first book, um, I actually changed the, um, the structure of, of how the in, entire beginning of the book, the first chapter starts. Sometimes that's hard for an author who that loves your tough. work. Yeah, that was tough. Like <laughs> I really liked my way and my approach, but it's like, they're like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. And you got to start right. So it was really interesting. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm a student of life. And as I, as I hope we all are, I'm always learning. And I think that's, what's great is to be receptive to insight sure. and feedback. So you had like 14 and 15 year old kids going, eh, rewrite it this way. I mean, I'm an author. Have you? <laughs> Written any books before? Yeah, what have you written? No, but um, no, it's great. I mean, some of it's based on the, on the on the survey, and then obviously why they're talking and we're having our, our group discussion. Um, I'm taking notes like crazy and stuff. Yes, yes, and yes. it was amazing. So did you did you sense that they were you know you're writing the book on a number of different levels, one on entertainment, but one on education as well. Did you take away that they were actually getting educated as yes. well as entertained? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the feedback was amazing. Like I said, we scored a nine point zero three out of a scale of one to ten, and that was based on the third draft and and. The final book is on probably the seventh draft. I mean, just tightening and tightening and tightening it. Um, but I get comments back from, from children and readers that say, you know, I love all the history in it. And it's like, when's the last time you've heard someone say that? <laughs> um, some, some students said it reminded, you know, like one of the questions is, what, what book or author does it remind you of? And then we're, I was compared across the board to a lot of different authors. And then, but the comments that were classic were, it doesn't remind me of anything I've ever read. Mm. So that to me was powerful because that's tough you know i mean it's uh, how can you be original in today i mean you know in in so many ways i mean you can write a great story but it's gonna be based on something and you're influenced consciously or subconsciously so yes um i think charles dickens had a huge impact on me we talked about c.s lewis earlier so so we have about four minutes left in this segment that chad and i want you to how do you want to distill this last four minutes we should probably spend some time on people finding out more about the book and how they might be able to get involved or find out more about it. Um, where do, where'd you like to go in this four minutes? Let's start out with information on how people can find out more. Sure. And then I want you to give kind of an inspirational closing statement here. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, I definitely would go to the uh, Britfield website. So it's www.britfield. Um, Britfield is spelled. B-R-I-T-F-I-E-L-D.com. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, I'll be honest. It's, it's an amazing site. It blew my mind. Um, rarely do people sort of exceed my expectations because mm-hmm. we set the bar high. And as Christians, I think we, sh- we, we should be doing things better than anyone else out there as far as professionalism and expertise. Um, but this uh, website uh, company, I mean, just they took my vision and they made it even better. And, and trust me, when you go on the site, it has almost 400 pictures of England oh throughout it. So could you imagine that? Uh, I, was, I was editing it uh, or looking through it on our first draft with, with Ron um, Forseth. He used to work at Outreach. No, I know Ron. Oh, yes, okay, I yeah. Do. Yes, yeah, he, yeah, so Ron's on our team, He's a good man. He's yeah. a very good man. <laughs> so, so Ron and I are going by it, and he's like, and, and I hear him on the, other, on the other line of the phone, and he's like, oh. Oh my gosh! Oh, this is amazing! It's like I I've, I've got to get to England, and I think that's that that's what it does. I've I've already have um, two parents that have read the the book to uh, to their children, and they uh, they now have to take them to England next year, and, and they are. Yes. So I, I love that idea of adventure through the book. I love I love the impact of not just the history and the culture of it, but the kids are inspired to see beyond you know their 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 school yes. or their state, you know what I mean? Or even their country, that there's a whole world out there to, to there's experience. a whole world out there. So my listening friend, we're talking with uh, Chad Stewart. 
the author but creator and entrepreneur tied to this book and the entire series. The first book is called The Britfield uh, and the Lost Crown. I'm going to change the rules on you just a little bit. We sure. have a couple minutes left. In this one minute for you, what yeah. I'd like you to do is you are an entrepreneur. Sure. You're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Correct. There are a lot of people out there that don't even know if even if it's worthwhile making that step. I want you to be an encourager to these people that may have another vision that may be a gigantic vision as well. But I want you to be the word of encouragement to these people as we close this, this uh, broadcast, Chad Stewart. Okay, great. Well, um, yeah, I've been a Christian since I was 22. Um, but the thing is, is it's, it's, um, it, it's not been easy, and, um, but I would have it no other way. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. And um, really, I'm, I'm at the um, beginning of this, uh, but it's taken me 10 years to get here. And so encouragement for, for all those Christians out there, if God has given you something to do, um, uh, you'll get, he'll get it done. And, uh, I mean, I love what, um, uh, the woman had said before about the spirit of fear and God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of strength and sound mind and boldness. And I think as Christians, we need to be, to be bold. We need to attack. We need to stand up. Uh, we cannot let fear be our guide. And, um, and I can't tell you how many times I, I wanted to uh, quit or give up through this process. Um, I can't tell you how hard it was. So I think when people are kind of giving you a watered down, you know, 31 flavors of religion, I think the difference with um, Jesus Christ is it's a relationship. It's not a religion, but it's not easy. You know, it's not easy. And, um, and uh, it's tough. <laughs> I know. know. And uh, I'll yeah. tell you what, there's, there's, no, there's no way you can undersell the value of perseverance. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. perseverance is good. And my listening friend, you don't have to, I mean, you know, you don't have to spend eight hours a day doing something, but set aside a specific amount of time to strategize with the Lord and talk with him about uh, the vision. And you might even realize that actually it was him who embedded this vision within you. Absolutely. And I think, Chad, you'll have to say that God uh, stirred you in a lot of different areas to ascend to what you're doing now. Yeah. If you told me eight years ago that I would be writing a uh, children's book series, I, I, I would I would laugh and say that you're crazy. You know, I mean, literally, literally. I mean, this exactly. is a thing. This is a thing of God. This is a work of God. This is, it's, it's powerful. And God's exceeding my expectations and blowing my mind and connecting me with people that, that, that uh, just are amazing people. Yes. I mean, it's just, it's, it's powerful. My listening friend. So what is God going to do with and through you? Chad Stewart of uh, Devonfield LLC and the great vision that you have with these wonderful books and uh, the uh, Britfield uh, and the Lost Crown book to begin the multiples in this series. Correct. Thanks for joining me Thank and being you. inspiration to our listeners. My listening friend, uh, it's a, nice to know that people are interested in helping educate and entertain your child with solid moral precepts. And so, Chad, Chad, it's nice to know that you are among those. My listening friend, as you know from Come Together San Diego, what we do is we like to look around and see who's got inspirational thoughts, and we like to bring them on to encourage you to stir up your own inspirational thoughts. That's what we do, because after all, we live our title, and that is Come Together mm-hmm. San Diego, and that's what we encourage you to do. Chad, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And my listening friend, See you next week on Come Together San Diego. Bye.
Thanks for joining Chaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.